how many, when you say the grace of God, how many of you go right to the cross? But think about the manger, how much grace that took for him to leave all of that, God of everything, and robe himself in infant flesh and be laid in a manger. That's grace. Look at your neighbor and say, he hadn't read a text and he's already preaching. Say, tell him. Say, look at him. Say, that's grace. Why don't you guys bring those blinds up for me back there, all right? Let's get a little light in this room today. Well, you are at Christmas at the Hills. Uh, so much fun. Apple cider happening out there today and all the beautiful decorations. And then what about the Clark, Clark fellas and Josh Johnson doing some live music? When you leave today, make sure you're going to hang out. When I left the service before, there was like a concert. People just gathered around them. So just hang out. It's just going to be really incredible. Uh, we started this uh, a couple of weeks ago, Christmas at the Hills, and we've been talking about uh, the misfits and how there are so many people that show up in the Christmas story that when you really look at them from a human mindset, they really shouldn't be there. The shepherds, how did they end up in the Christmas story? If you weren't here, I'd recommend you go back and listen or watch those services, especially for those of you that feel like a misfit most of your life, or maybe just you feel like a misfit at certain times of your life. We talked about the shepherds, but then we, last week we started talking about the wise men. The shepherds didn't seem to fit in because they were the lowest in their society. They were homeless, they were poor, uh, they were looked down upon. Whereas the wise men were at the complete different spectrum of that. They were wealthy, they were rulers, they were wise, hence their name, see? Just the brilliant stuff that comes out of my mouth sometimes, all right? They were wise. They were, they, were these, they were these men that had access and they had influence and this is who they were. And yet, they were heathens and they were unbelievers. And many theologians believe that they were sorcerers. They just, they, so how do they end up being in the Christmas story? Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 1. Very familiar passage of Scripture says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Bump down to verse number 10. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great Joy. Everybody say exceedingly Exceedingly. great joy. Joy. We'll come back to that. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The wise men. Why do these guys get to see Jesus? Why do the wise guys get to enter into the presence of of Jesus. Number one, because they were looking for him. That's why. They wanted to see him. Your invitation to see God is just a desire to see God. They were studying the skies and they were looking for the stars that was going to tell them this is where the Messiah is. They wanted to see him. They didn't know all the they didn't have to know all the right scriptures to recite. They didn't, have to, they didn't have to do all the religious incantation, all the stuff that went on. All they had to have was a desire to see him. Do you know it's the same with you? You don't have to get everything perfect and everything figured out before he'll let you see him. All he wants to know is, do you want to see me? 
And they did. They were looking for him. Not only were they looking for him, they traveled. They sacrificed. They traveled for years to come into the presence of God. Jeremiah 29 and 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. All of your heart. God is looking for people who are looking for him. Passionate people. People that want to be in his presence. Not people that are guilted into his presence. Or people that are forced into his presence. God is looking. First of all, let me just ask you this question. Because I may be preaching to the wrong people. How many of you want to be the kind of person that God's looking for? Come on, you read scripture and you find that all the time that God was looking and he was finding, trying to find someone to place his favor upon. If you want to be the kind of person that God is looking for, be somebody who's looking for God. Searching for him. Because if you have that, and I'm talking about a passion for him, where you're, you're searching for him with all of your heart. And here's what I found. If it's your passion, you'll make it a priority. I'm just going to drop that one and leave it right there, okay? If it is your passion, you're going to make it a priority. So they were looking for him. They wanted to see him. And then last week we talked about the fact that when they saw him, what was their response to him? They fell down. When they saw him, they fell down. They didn't trip. Nobody pushed them. They voluntarily voluntarily fell down. The significance of this is they were kings. A king is used to being bowed to, and yet when they walked in, the presence of this child, they fell down before him. The significance of that was, that's what a vanquished king would do. If another king brought his army in and took over the territory, the defeated king would then come and bow before the other king, hoping that his life would be spared. This is what they did. They walked in, saw a child, and just fell down. Do you have a problem sometimes with laying something down and picking it back up again? You know why? Because you're laying something down and God doesn't want your something. He wants you. Instead of laying your stuff down, lay you down. Fall down in front of him because as these kings fell before him, what they were saying is we're surrendering ourselves and everything that we have, trusting this child. And when they saw him, they worshiped. They fell down, and then they worshipped. If you're taking notes, write that down. When they saw him, they fell down, and they worshipped. Worship. It keeps coming up in this scripture. We, we read it a moment ago. Where is, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother. They fell down and worshipped. The word worship in the original Language means this, to regard with great or extravagant respect. Let me come back. To regard with great and extravagant respect, honor, and devotion. I want to challenge some of you today on your mindset of worship. Because for you, worship has been 20 minutes on a Sunday morning. Where you sing a little bit, maybe not a lot, but you sing some and then you sit down and then we shake hands and we do this and then we go home. I want to challenge that today. Worship is this. Regard with great and extravagant respect, honor, 
or devotion? If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, have someone else write it down, okay? Worship is all about value. If you want to know what worship really is, it's all about value. What do you value? Show me what you worship and I'll show you what you value. Value. It's, it's saying. And so true worship is getting your values in the right alignment. And real worship happens when you and I have a revelation of God's worth. Matter of fact, that is what the word, where the word worship comes from. Worth. Ship. In other words, you are worth so much that I am going to give extravagant praise on you. I'm going to open my mouth. I'm going to fall before you. And everything I have is going to fall with me. When the wise men saw him, they saw him for what he was and what he was worth. I'm going to say that again. When the wise men saw what makes wise men fall down, they understood. They, they were powerful men, and they understood what it meant to have authority and power. And they looked at this child, and they fall before him because they understood his worth, and this allowed them to see themselves as well. Not as wise men, but as worshipers. When you and I have a revelation of the worth of Jesus Christ, you're also going to have a revelation of your worth, And it's going to make you want to fall down. When you compare who we are to who he he is, that's why all through the Bible when God shows up, you hear people just falling down. And they say, woe is me, don't kill me. Right? Why do they do that? Because they're seeing the worth, God's worth and then my worth. But here's what I love about our Savior is the fact that as soon as I begin to tell him what he's worth, he starts telling me what I'm worth. Oh, don't let me preach on a Sunday morning. Yeah? Isn't that amazing? How when you begin to say, you are worthy. And he looks back and says, baby, I've made you worthy. You're powerful. You're powerful. You're full of grace. You're full of, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. That's what worship is. You're holy. I've made you holy. Man, I'll leave that one right there as well. Just keep on going. They worshipped a child who had not done anything for them. Let me say that again. Listen to me. They worshipped a child who had not done one thing for them. Because they didn't put his worth into what he did. They put his worth into who he was. True worship is not about what He's done for you, but who He is to you. That's what real worship is. I've got a buzz going up here in this monitor, and it's about to drive me crazy, all right? I don't know what it is. Somebody fix it. You fixed it. Thank you very much. Anybody else hearing that? Thank you. See, I I care for y'all. It was actually just for me. I'm going to say it again. True worship is not about what He has done for you, but who He is to you. Let me tell you why I want you to get this. This is going to help you worship Him when you don't feel like worshiping Him. How many, how many wake up every Sunday morning like, Whoa, let's go. Let's go to church. Raise your hand. All right. How many of you wake up some mornings and go, I don't really want to. Just raise your hand. 
You know, one of my favorite stories is the guy woke up, he told his wife, he said, I ain't going to church today. I'm not going to church today. Why not, baby? I don't feel good. I don't like those people. I don't like the singing. I don't like the place. I'm done with it. I'm not going to church. He said, baby, you have to. You are the pastor. <laughs> oh, you think we wake up every morning like, whoa, let's go, let's go, let's go. Huh? Listen, these wise men had been traveling through the desert for years. You're talking about frustrated. Following a light in the sky. Still not there. We're there yet. Still not there. And yet when they walk into this, the presence of this child, their response is to fall down in worship and throw their gifts at him. That right there is not situational worship. Am I talking to anybody that sometimes allows your situations and circumstance to impact your worship? Come on, you raised your hand when I said, how many don't want to go to church sometimes? Come on, raise your hand. (laughs) It's the truth. But real worship is understanding that it's not what he does for me, it's who he is. And whether I feel like he ever does anything good for me or not, He's still good. Not just good, he's great. And he's worthy of all of my worship. Not just when I feel like it. Look at your neighbors. I think he's preaching to you right now. Tell them. Come on, tell them. Look at somebody and say, I think he's speaking to you right now. Man. All right, that's why they worshiped. And I'm going to tell you that you want to get your why, get your why figured out. And that helps you make it through life. Figure out your why, why, why. That helps you keep going. So figure out why you worship. But then I love to look at how they worshiped. I told you we'd come back to this. They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. The word rejoice, let's break this down. The word rejoice means this, to experience a state of happiness. Or here's my favorite, favorite line in this, to lean toward God's grace. Don't you love that? That'll help some of you when you're walking through a tough time and you don't feel like rejoice, just lean toward God's grace. Just lean and rejoice. It's this state of, of, of incredible happiness. Exceeding means this, very much vehement, violent. Like doing something with a vengeance, all out, wide open, with total effort. Here's one for you 80s babies, to the max. (laughs) They rejoice with exceedingly great. The word great comes from the Greek word mega. And then joy means to delight. So in other words, when they saw the star... They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy, which means this. They were so happy that they reacted with an all-out, almost violent, wide-open, mega delight. Now, how many of you, that sounds like your worship? How many of you grew up in a church that did that kind of worship? No, you get kicked out for that kind of worship. I come from a background, Pentecostal, where we, man, if we weren't yelling out loud, nothing was going on, you know? If it got quiet, everybody, ooh, what's going on? It was like loud and boisterous and letting this thing out. Some of you, 
come from backgrounds where, man, if you yelled out in church, the deacons came and talked to you on Monday. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> right? Some of you weren't even raised in church. It's not a culture for you. You don't know. And then you come here, and we, we try to be a junction where all these different people, and I love looking across this audience at those of you that thought the other people were, that you're sitting beside someone that you used to think was going to hell because they were in a different religion than you. I love that. Looking across this thing, that's, that's the kingdom and, and family of God. That's a good applause right there. Amen. We're not going to hell. I like that. That's actually a very good point. Let's end it on that, okay? We're not going to hell. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> now, and so you come here and we go, come on, lift up a shout of praise. And you're like, I won't go to hell if I do that. Like, I'm not allowed to do that. That's hard for you to... Some of you didn't even have music in your church. or Some of you didn't have, uh, didn't have raised hands or amening and all that. It's not a part of who, of who you are. And yet... In the scripture, it's all in there. Matter of fact, there's nine different expressions of worship that are found in the Psalms. And if you don't believe me, I'm not going to give you the scriptures now, but come to me after church and I'll give them to you. Singing, shouting, speaking, bowing and kneeling, standing, dancing, instruments, clapping, lifting your hands. Those are all expressions of worship that are found in the Bible. David tells us, the Psalms tell us, and here's what's ironic to me. None of these expressions are foreign to us in daily life. None of them seem weird. We all speak, right? Some of you more than others. Some of us more than others. We all speak. We all sing. Admit it, you sing. You may have the windows rolled up tight and the music loud so that you can't hear your own self, but you sing. But what about in worship? When we begin to say, come on, let's, let's sing it out. Oh, I don't know. It suddenly becomes foreign. I've seen your post. You dance. Not very well, but you do. You dance. But man, you come into worship. Sometimes it's just this stoic. You, can't, you don't feel like there's, there's freedom. Clap your hands. It's like, I don't know. But yet we clap all the time, right? Anything, woo, that's awesome. We, we lift our hands in surrender, whatever. As soon as somebody scores a touchdown, woo, right? It's just this thing, and yet somehow there's this disconnect. And don't get me started on shouting, man. Don't even get me started on, on shouting. I've heard some of y'all at ball games, okay? I've heard myself at ball games. I heard myself last night, woo, just crazy. I can't do that last night and then show up here when we're singing about how great God is and it's His breath in my lungs and just suddenly go timid. Come on, am I speaking to anybody? I know it sounds old school compared to ball games and church, but I'm going there anyway, all right? It's the truth. Whatever we're passionate about is what we make a priority. So let's get passionate about God and about God's house and God's people and God's kingdom. And you let that passion get hold of you, things begin to change. Instead of waking up and going, I don't really want to go. Psalms 122 and 1 says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Show up tired, weary, but all of a sudden you hear the dong, dong, dong. Let's go. Let's go. 
It's a passion for God's house. Psalms 42 and 4, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Not that you care, but I'm the pastor, so I'm going to tell you anyway. Psalms 42 and 4, look at this. I was always out at the head of the worshiping crowd, right out in the front, leading them all, eager to arrive in worship, shouting praises and singing thanksgiving. These are the kind of people that God is looking for. Look, you don't have to be as loud as me, okay? You don't have to have my personality. You don't have to be a person that's on this stage leading. You don't have to be that. But you can lead in your own way. And I want to encourage you to branch out a little bit in your worship. Just begin to expand it a little bit. Begin to, begin to stretch things just a little. I want to challenge you to do that. And here's the best way for you to do it. Do it in private first. Start in private. Find you a little a place in your home that you can close the closet doors and just bow before Him. Yeah. Or just lift your hands up. Nobody looking around. Just lift your hands up and surrender and adoration. Just begin to sing out loud. Start with that. Start small. And watch as you begin to do that, you have more freedom and more freedom and things start, start flowing. And then what you find out is suddenly you have created a lifestyle of worship. And you're not just waiting on Sunday morning. Well, I'm going to say that again, okay? Come back over here. It's a lifestyle of worship. See, the, shepherd, the, the wise men did not worship when they fell down before him. They started worshiping two years before when they started making their journey toward Jesus. Worship, now again, I, I was raised Pentecostal. And we had this thing. So I would go, my, we were a predominantly white church. And so by predominantly, I mean all white church, okay? <laughs> Completely white. And so I, I would go, I would have church on Sunday morning and Sunday night. And then I would go down the road to the Missionary Baptist Black Church, all right? Because they had church at night too, but it was always later than ours. Can I hear an amen? It always went longer than ours. And I would go down there and I would get me, I'd have church and then I'd go have church, Okay. And if you've never experienced it, come on, baby. Ain't nothing like it. Can I get an amen from those of you who know what I'm talking about? All right? And what I learned about in the black church is there's a thing called a praise break. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Mm. It hit, and all of a sudden the band goes, rat, 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 rat. Come help me. If I had the band up here, I'd show y'all how to do it. It's a praise break, okay? That's awesome. That's fun. But also, worship needs to be intentional. Not just emotional. Not just, whoa, when it hits, I feel good. Let's go. Right? No, it needs to be intentional. It's a sacrifice of worship. I don't feel like it. I don't want to journey for two years through the desert, leave everything behind, but I've made a commitment to be a worshiper. Be intentional about it. Set some time aside in your day just to worship. Be intentional about it. Change up your playlist a little bit, all right? Slip some worship in there beside Drake, okay? Just a little, just slip it right in there. (laughs) 
A little Johnny Paycheck, a little Hillsong, okay? Just like mix it in there. Fix it, do it. Get intentional about it. And what you'll find is the more intentional you are about your worship, the more it becomes a lifestyle because you're making it a priority. Man, I am preaching so good today. Man, I just feel I don't. <laughs> if y'all ain't going to amen me, I'll amen myself. What I mean by that is that's for me too. That's for me. I'm preaching to me today. Because as, even as a pastor, I can find myself getting through the day and we're designing a building and a meeting with people and we're studying for Sunday. And I can find myself just pushing my worship time down the road. I want to encourage all of us. Let's be really intentional about our worship, okay? Worship is an inward adoration that becomes an outward expression. That was what worship is. I'm going to say it again. Worship is an inward adoration that becomes an outward expression. If you have adoration in your heart for Him, there will be an expression. What you worship shows what you love. If it's in you, it's going to come out of you. Nobody would ever expect any other relationship to be healthy or successful if we kept everything we felt inside. What if you just said, well, I told you I loved you on the day I said I do. And I ain't enough. How many husbands would know that would not bode well for your world, right? Flowers, girl, we have flowers at the wedding. You know, flowers. No, you expect it. What if your employer just always thought, man, they're a really good worker, but never paid you? It doesn't work that way. And I think sometimes we think, well, God knows how I feel about Him. Why do I have to say it? How many of you know that your kids love you? But what does it do to your heart when they tell you? Come on, y'all. You know what I'm talking about. When one of them boys walk in, that 16 or 20-year-old, and they look me in my eyes and they, hey, Dad. I go, yeah, what do you need now? Nothing. I just want to tell you I love you. What do you want? <laughs> take, take it all, baby. It don't matter what you got. Right? Can you imagine what if we did that to our Father in heaven? Instead of praying for things... What if we just started worshiping him for who he is? And then what you're going to find is, oh, man, it is my pleasure to give you the kingdom. What do y'all want? Here you go. All starts with worship, which all starts with a revelation of his value. What is he worth to you? And once you have a revelation of what he's worth, the result of that revelation is you're going to fall down. And when you fall down, adoration that is in your heart begins to be expressed through these modes and these methods of worship. How many receive this word this morning? Will you receive it today? Come join me. I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you today to be a worshiper. Not just to sing when it's time to sing, but I'm talking about I want to challenge your value system today. How much is he worth to you? Look at me. How much is Jesus worth to you? An hour on Sunday? How much is 
one drop of his blood worth. The blood that washed away all of the sins. Every, every sin. Forever. Washed away. Done. How much is that worth? How much is his kingship worth? Shall I go on? Do you get it? Right? Do you understand it? you get it? Once you start having the value system shift, and you realize that he's worth more than our money, our jobs, our career, our kids, our past, there's a shift that happens, and you start to see, oh, here's his value. Here's his value. That's why David said, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. You know, when you magnify something, you don't make it any bigger than it already is. You just see it the way it really is. And that's what David was saying. Let's magnify the Lord. Let's see him for what he's really worth. Let's exalt his name together. How do you make God any more high than he is? You don't. You just start seeing him where he really belongs in your life. Oh, come let us. I just preached about it for 20 minutes. Come on. Oh, come let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let beside you no one even comes close to you let me tell you how to worship this week All right, just list the attributes of God just take it in your phone make a worship note and just list the attributes of God holy, worthy, great, gracious glorious, kind true, beautiful just list them and then That's what the angels do for eternity. Holy, 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 holy. Worthy, 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 worthy. You don't have to get the praise dance down. Come on, we can get that later, all right? Or maybe not. But we can just start with something simple and develop a lifestyle of worship.
Close your eyes. I want to pray for you today. How many of you today, that as I was, as we were in our moment of worship, or maybe as I was speaking, that something clicked in your heart this morning, and you want to make a fresh start with Jesus Christ, either either for the first time, or you want to recommit your life to Him. You you realize that you've never really fallen before Him and made Him Lord of your life. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right where you are, right there. Hands up. Come on, I see you. That's awesome. Come on, hands up. Really high. I want to see you today. Right here. Right there. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right. Open your eyes and come on, raise your right hand. We're going to pray this prayer together. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you came as a baby and grew up to be a mighty man. Thank you for saving my soul. I pray today that you would forgive me of my sins. That you would cover me with your blood. That you would fill me with your spirit. And help me to live an overcoming, abundant, and everlasting life with you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, shout amen today. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate today.